The Pre-Paces podcast is brought to you by two brilliant sponsors. Paces Ahead is a fantastic four-day face-to-face paces course run in Brentford, London. They bring you a whole host of patients with fascinating stories and reliable signs, and these patients are absolutely delighted to allow you to hone your exam skills prior to exam day. Some of the patients actually are used in the exams themselves. And the next courses are running from the 20th to the 23rd of May. And then I will be helping out on the course running on the 28th to the 31st of May. Please do come and say hello. I'd love to have a chat and hopefully help you on your way to passing your paces. But if you can't make the course for whatever reason, our other sponsor, Pass Test, has got you covered with their market-leading online revision resource. There are tons of videos which help you revise from the comfort of your own home. And most listeners that I've spoken to have said this is equally essential for your Pacer's success. But that's enough for me for now. Let's get into this week's episode of the Pre-Pacer's Podcast. Welcome to the Pre-Pacer's Podcast. I'm Dr. Sam Williams and thank you for joining us for this second episode where we're joined by Dr. Alex Batty, an IMT2 who's recently passed paces. We'll be bringing you our top 10 tips to boost your paces revision and Alex gives us a first-hand perspective of sitting paces during the COVID-19 pandemic, including the changes to the usual structure and format as well as some COVID-related curveballs which came his way during his exam. If you enjoy the podcast, then please like, comment, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get in touch with us on the show very easily on Twitter and Instagram. It's at prepacespodcast and on email, it's prepacespodcast at gmail.com. If you're sitting paces anytime in the near future, you won't want to miss this. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Dr. Alex Batty. Welcome to the Pre-Paces Podcast, the only podcast that prepares you for paces as well as a Joe Wicks lockdown workout prepares you for a high-octane trip to Sainsbury's. Other supermarkets are available. Today's episode has the aim of giving you the insider track on the difficulties of sitting the MRCP paces during the difficult times of COVID from someone who has been there, done it, got the t-shirt. It's the jester from Cheshire. It's Dr. Alex Batty. Having graduated together from university, he did his foundation years in the southwest and then made the ultimate romantic gesture by traversing the M6 and moving north of the Watford Gap, even further north than Nutsford Services, all in the name of love. Alex recently sat and pleasingly passed paces at his first attempt. Alex, you must be delighted and thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, Sam. That was a, that was a very kind intro there. <laughs> So you say Jester from Cheshire, actually originally from uh, good old Sussex by the sea. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, so, so paces, I'm relieved more than delighted, I've got to say. I mean, to, to yeah, to go through it, it's not the most pleasant experience. So I'm sure probably everyone listening to this podcast knows um, just having to put those hours in, having to say after work and things, seeing patients, try to see people with signs, but to yeah to go through it and to, to just about um get through it um uh, yeah i'm very pleased to do that well alex massive congratulations so 
the key part of this podcast is going to be trying to prepare the listeners for the differences between the paces which they've heard about from years prior and to prepare them for the new paces regulations which have come in during the time of covid and Mm -hmm. then after that we are going to be discussing a list of our top 10 tips which we think could be applicable whether or not the listeners are about to sit paces or whether or not they've sat it in the past or if they're thinking about um, sitting in the future so shall we jump into the action absolutely sounds good So it's, it's a bit odd, COVID paces. I mean, obviously, these these patients who are coming in and sitting exam, they're making a, a personal sacrifice, taking a personal risk, and you're sort of limiting any risk to the patients first and foremost. So it's understandable that they've made these, these changes. Um, it's probably quite a big departure. I mean, my experience of paces is this sort of COVID-style paces, but it's certainly odd, A, doing, you've probably heard about, so there's two different carousels and one is entirely based on sort of consultations on as Microsoft Teams that I used uh, but they might use different different platforms in different places yes yeah, um, so that was one of the main differences which I think uh, as yeah. part of the new format of paces was that before you would obviously just have a run of stations through and you would do examination yeah. and you'd start, you'd start on one one station and one of the numbered stations and you just go through a number order up until you got back to where you started but now you, you do stations two and four and it will always be in that order and then you'll do stations one three and five in another sort of different carousel and depending on what sense you do it those carousels might even be sort of on different floors of the building or whatever so they sometimes feel like sort of almost separate entities separate exams almost and i guess the other part which is sort of significantly different from the paces historically was that you were required to use PPE. Yeah, yeah. So, so using PPE and the fact that there is donning and doffing time for that PPE allocated to you, and it's more than ample to put the PPE on. In, in some ways, you can see that as a bit of an advantage because it's a bit of a tough time to compose yourself. Obviously, the stations that are split into two, so where you've got two different um, uh, examinations or, or the two station fives, for example, you have that that donning and doffing time in between the parts of that station to then sort of forget about the last one, focus on the next one, take a deep breath and compose yourself. You've got the PPE, it's your standard PPE that you'd have on the ward, sort of gloves and the apron, and you'll just be wearing the same mask throughout. As I say, I think, I can't even remember the time now, but it might be sort of two minutes donning time. And obviously you can you can put the PPE on and then you have time to sort of, take a deep breath and think during that time as well oh that's quite good i actually think that would have been really really useful or at least when when i sat paces i did it in the time where there wasn't any gap between the examinations so actually that's yeah yeah no it it absolutely is in a way uh it's particularly useful for the two station fives in that i think before you got your sort of little vignette for each one and then you couldn't see the second one before you went on to the second station whereas with the donning and doffing time you go out at station five you do your your hand washing your donning and doffing and then you, you can actually if you have time have a little look at the the second station five vignette just to remind yourself in my time when i took paces in the five minutes preparatory time beforehand you had the two scenarios there so yeah. you, you almost in the five minutes 
yeah. split two and, and a half still, minutes. You still have that. You still have that, but um, because you've got the two minutes donning time. Oh, I see. If you're all done up, you can sort of have, a little, I don't know, different places will probably set it up in different ways. Yeah. But certainly people I've spoken to and myself weren't stopped from looking at the, the vignette from the second station five. We mentioned there's two mini carousels now instead of one large carousel. So can you describe for us what is the main content or how have they divided the stations within the two mini carousels? Uh, so they, they've divided the stations, they've divided it between examination stations, stations one, three, and the sort of combined history and examination station, station five, and the sort of the, basically the talking stations. So the, the history taking station where you don't have to lay, lay hands on or, or examine any patients. So stations two, history taking stations four, communication skills. And was there any choice about that or were you just you allocated no, so, you, so you get uh, you, you start where you get allocated so you, you um sort of go into the center um they take temperature you go and sit socially distance around and then they'll give you sort of where you're starting on and a little spreadsheet of where everyone's starting on and you, you just get allocated and because there's six people taking the exam one person could start on the rest the rest station so in the second carousel there's station two station four and rest so one right. on the rest station imagine starting on the I rest know, i know <laughs> it's, it's, it's you a little bit longer i mean you have long enough with that i mean that's another big difference with covid just there's the exam takes longer because of the donning and doffing time but the, it takes at least three hours you're in the examination set the, the test center for because there's there's more preparation more waiting around at the beginning there's that rest station in order for, to keep everyone safe it, it takes that a, a bit longer and from what you've heard about previous sittings of paces it sounds to me like the examination stations are largely pretty much unchanged from how they were previously i think i think other than the fact that you're in ppe and that you've got that gap in between the sort of the donning the new PPE in between sort of the the RASP exam and the ABDO exam if you're on station one for example then yeah they they are the same and the the content that the patients you're likely to see is the same I think it's sometimes with paces and COVID it can be easy to sort of second guess and read into the the types of conditions you're likely to see but I think it's it's best just to keep an open mind and think actually all the stuff that could have come up before could still come up in the, in the pandemic, um, depending on what cohorts patients' places have. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully that should mean that the part of the top 10 tips, which we're going to go on to later, should be applicable regardless of whether or not they've been... Oh, on. yeah, absolutely. When it comes to the, the examination stations, um, then, yeah, I mean, and also the other stations as well, but there's probably other tips... To specific to um, the way they've changed, yeah. Um, but absolutely, I mean, the the one thing that did happen with my station five in my exam was actually part of the examination. I was asked to do from a social distance, which so you were asked asked to examine the patient asked from to a do social what distance. What I could in terms of in terms of examination from a social distance. So I mean, it's just one of those things. It, it's a completely pandemic related curveball isn't it yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just putting that out there to say if can you happens, take your own pulse and tell me what it is yeah i mean it was <laughs> sort of a neuro- neurology related thing so i mean i assessed gait and i asked them to sort of move around a bit in terms of movements and things and yeah 
that's the thing it, it, and it did it did throw me mm. but one of those things just putting it out there on, on the podcast is a pandemic related thing such as that could come up so I guess maybe just spend five minutes thinking about in terms of examination if that did happen so yeah. Alex what I wanted to go on to now is the stations which seem to have had a more drastic change which is the communication station so you said that mini carousel consists of the history and communication and then a rest station and other yeah. timings for that station exactly the same you've got the five minutes of reading 14 minutes of the consultation a minute of composing yourself and then five minutes of questions yeah absolutely they, they are exactly the same in terms of timings um there was a bit of a technical difficulty for one of my stations i think the station four so the the preparation was slightly even slightly longer than it should have been they're meant to be that yeah. that same that same length and the biggest change um, which has happened is the fact that this is all over video conferencing now it is so you, you walk into a room and there's just a computer there it's a split screen split into four and you see yourself in one of the four and more likely to be an actor in this situation. So, and then the, the two examiners on the other side of the screen and one of the examiners will, um, will speak to you. I mean, when I went in and the examiner would just be like, this is your station, go ahead. And also not cut into the time because your time for the encounter starts there. And then you just, you just go into it and speak to your sort of surrogate patient. And so what were the technical difficulties which you had and how did how were those overcome um, during the station? So I don't I don't really know so the technical difficulties which delayed the one of the stations starting. Um, I don't know what that was. Um, it just meant I started a bit later, but they did uh, allow for that in the timings because I think because they had the buffer of having the rest station there, they could run into the time of the rest station because that was my next station because I started on two, then four, then rest. The te- I mean, there were, it, it was a little bit choppy sometimes, the signal. So um, I did sort of, the some of my questions and some of the patient questions get got lost. Um, also, sometimes it's it's just really important to speak really clearly because some, some of the times I was saying answers to the examiners when they're asking questions and I sort of had to repeat myself a few times because of just the, the technical difficulties that could come up. But I don't, I don't want to dwell on the technical side too much because overall I don't really think that the sort of technicality of it really impacted my experience a bit too much and I don't think it impacted the consultation with the patient or the sort of the marking and the questions or anything ultimately and I think just being as naturalistic as you can with it and sort of almost ignoring the fact that you're speaking to the patient over the um over something like Microsoft Teams is probably the way to go but it's as I say it's come up onto this in the top 10 tips but it's something that's really easy to do but in your group of people that you revise with just do loads and loads of um, zoom consultations and it's actually in some ways made preparation easier because you can you can go home and do those those things on your sort of video chat platform that you'd normally sort of speak to your mates on anyway and just doing it as much as it is in the exam and making it as much like the exam as possible is a good way to prepare. And and I guess apart from the different structure and format of the exam, do you think there was anything particularly to do with the communication stations, which apart from you're saying speak slowly, make sure you're or try not to speak at the same time as the examiners, what other yeah. sort of tips or would you have for 
the video conference side of the consultation. So it's sort of just overcoming the, the video conference thing. It is just sort of, sort of making sure you mark out the from where you're speaking to when you're allowing it when the patient's speaking and when you're asking them a question and when they're saying something and making sure you demarcate the end of when you're speaking and things like that really clearly and I mean there's I don't know body language plays a role you can definitely still sort of I think the examiners can still read your body language to an extent I mean sort of moving your hands loads and loads you probably probably won't come across on the <laughs> might just look a bit hyperactive yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah no it's just being clear in what you say making sure that you stop speaking when you stop speaking making sure you sort of signal to the the patient when you're done speaking and when you're asking them a question clearly but it's all things that in the normal sort of communication skill station with a the patient there would sort of facilitate sort of good communication skills anyway You've already given some advice about parts of the examination, parts of the, the communication. But before we get on to the top 10 tips, is there any sort of more general things which you'd say about preparing for the exam um, during COVID? Preparing for the exam. I mean, it, I guess there's, there is difficulties in terms of preparation as well, in terms of um, preparing and, and having patients in the hospital. You can see a large proportion of patients in the hospitals at the moment are in hospital with COVID and it's sort of seeing other patients there who have signs and being able to sort of have that freedom of movement around the hospital is a bit more difficult, but probably still possible if you sort of have that revision group and you sort of plan it carefully. Other things are just in the exam as a whole, I think even more so than previously, you have more time with your own, th- own thoughts. You've got that time on that rest station where the hobnobs provided don't distract you from <laughs> what's just happened <laughs> they give you like a glass of water and a, <laughs> a glass of cream but uh yeah you can't, can't really focus on that when you're d- dwelling on the sort of whether the, the history you took whether you missed a load of stuff but yeah so it's even more important than usual to like you've got more and more time to overthink and, and think about what's just happened whereas it's just more important than ever just clear your mind yeah don't don't dwell on it just direct your focus on the next station great advice so without further ado i think let's get into our top 10 tips So when I made this top 10 tips, I sort of compiled it myself, but all the way along, I was looking at the vast quantity of advice that there was on the internet about the top 10 tips for paces. And I've, I've tried my best to sort of boil them down yeah. to a, to a absolute 10. So hopefully these will all be applicable to a lot of our listeners. So the way yeah, that I've... And when you're, when you're prepping for paces, everyone will come to you with a little golden nugget of knowledge, won't they? It's the sort of... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the way in which I've divided this is into revision related is the first three. And then the next three are preparation related. So actually in the build up to the exam itself. And then the last ones are all related to the actual exam. So the first one which I've gone for is get a group, basically find people in the trust that you work in or yeah, just get yeah. a revision group together, basically. Absolutely. 
and it doesn't have to be huge. It can be one other person. And if that one other person is is well motivated and wants to do as much as they can, actually, that's that's all I had. It was, it was me and one other person six weeks before the exam. We were meeting up pretty frequently a few nights a week and just trying to see as many patients as possible and make it sort of as much like an exam scenario every time we saw them as possible. That's the thing. I mean, you might get slightly sick of that one other person, sick of the sight of them. It doesn't even need to be someone you like at first. Sometimes it's better if it's a complete stranger. <laughs> you haven't got that familiarity. So yeah, if you just yeah. randomly sort of hear about someone who's doing paces in your trust, yeah, they happen to be doing it and keen to, to form a group. Actually, sometimes not having that familiarity, so it's more like they are the examiner asking you the questions rather yeah, than you yeah. may. And sometimes it's quite good. Um, so just actually not sticking to your sort of comfort zone and, and close circle of friends in order to form your revision group is, is also a bit of a... Yeah. Sometimes be a good thing to do. And sometimes yeah. like groups, not all the time, but you can occasionally include people who've done paces, some of your sort of like registrars who are around and stuff like that in order to sort of act as the examiner and, and give you sort of more critiques of yeah. sort of their what they've been through. And just expanding on that point a bit more, the, the other thing about doing it with your friends is obviously the examiners in paces can be quite sort of stern faced and, and ask quite sort of pointed questions. And sometimes yeah, if you're doing it with your friends, like your friends might not want to be so upfront. Closed book and like, and the examiner will only hear what you say and not what you mean. Whereas sometimes the, you, your mate can be like, yeah, I sort of know what you're trying, I know what you're getting out of that, what you're trying to say you're sort of uh, waffling on a bit but yeah um whereas the the examiners will literally hear what's coming out of your mouth and you just got to sort of take everything at face value yeah the, ex- the examiner can't say oh yeah no like i i knew what you meant it's fine you know they yeah, won't do yeah. that yeah because if you're like waffling on for ages the examiner's not just going to cut you off and go on to the next question whereas your friend would be like okay yeah moving yeah. on next question um and that's that period of time with the examiner asking you questions you, you want to allow them to ask all the questions they have in order to show off your, your knowledge or at least sort of try and demonstrate as much knowledge as you can about a, a subject yeah and the other thing which I sort of thought about with the people who you're studying with is something you mentioned earlier about motivation that can be really tricky especially in you know, you mentioned that you spent sort of about six weeks of revision, having someone who you're accountable to, someone who you say, right, okay, every Tuesday or every Tuesday and Thursday, we're going to do it. And I quite like the term an accountability buddy, someone who you're able to be accountable, <laughs> accountable to each other. I'm not going to catch on, mate. <laughs> accountability buddy. I like it. I like it. It's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> oh yeah no that's absolutely true just actually just setting times in stone to be like right regardless of what sort of day you've had you just need to because because every every day at work at the moment for a medical sho in the in the time that we're in at the moment is going to be an absolutely exhausting day um and it's just mustering up that bit of energy to to do it because you'd rather sort of do one set of preparation rather than to have to go through that again top tip number two is something which you've already sort of alluded to as well as well as getting a group to revise with 
getting a approachable set of consultants or approachable registrars or even you know IMTs or core medical trainees who've sat and passed recently can be just as valuable and those are the people who are going oh, to yeah. teach you the most about the exam and give you the golden nuggets as you mentioned to help you succeed yeah yeah just being, being able to give you the knowledge and to to recreate things as sort of as like the exam as possible um and to also just having those those sources so that you can you can find patients with all those different signs that you hear because that's the if you if you see a patient exam and it's something that you've seen before if it's a sound that you've heard before it's just that it's so much more likely to pass that station aren't you so if you have fingers in lots of pies around the hospital if you <laughs> if you always sort of let lots of registrars consultants other um SHOs know that you are doing paces and that you're keen to see as many uh, patients as possible they will then sort of tell you where the patients are they may offer to help examine that patient with you and you'll just see the broadest range of basic patients as possible so it's just it's good to be just known in your hospital as someone who is is doing paces and another tip on that I would say if if you haven't already in in your groups of you who are sitting having a whatsapp group so that you can you know share patients who you are happy to be examined on multiple occasions saying this patient's got great signs and you know the brief would be they've come in with shortness of breath they're in bed x on this ward yeah you know having just, that bank of patients just make, just, just, just make sure everyone knows the name of the game is to not give away the diagnosis and <laughs> when you say i've got a patient with aortic stenosis <laughs> You should say there's a there's a patient who's got a good signs with a cardiology exam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you've got to set the ground rules for the WhatsApp group if it's like people who aren't necessarily doing paces, but are just there to sort of recommend patients to see and stuff. Yeah. And then top tip number three, we've said nothing can replace practice, practice, practice. So, Alex, what do you think are the most important things when you're actually going through? Your so I, th- I think it's um so a as we said is identifying the right patients to practice on and the the right ways to practice so practicing on patients who have clinical signs which are the common things which come on paces is important and also just it's better for it to be it sounds a bit brutal but to be sort of unfriendly practice to be to be with people who you maybe don't know as well if, if you sort of assert your roles very clearly and the person to be examined is that person and then there is the examiner and all practice is timed because that's really really important so the examination is timed and also the questions are timed because that was something i found in in the exam just the the actually the the questioning period is pretty time pressured as well and if you spend too long and if you're a bit tangential answering a question there's just not that time to then answer the rest of the questions. Try and demonstrate that you've you've got the knowledge to pass the station. So being as specific as possible and as close as you can to replicating the exam conditions, I guess. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Both both in terms of timing, sort of attitude, patients involved is I think really key because it's one thing sort of having the knowledge and having the examination skills, but it's another thing actually being able to do it in the 
in the timeframes that are involved in paces everyone says that trying to get the neurology exams done in the time is is really really difficult and actually just practicing that to time over and over and over and over again so that even in the exam if you do miss a bit of it you at least get as much done as possible just more likely to to get the signs and to pass the station so specific in terms of timing in terms of exam experience in terms of facial expressions of the examiner <laughs> and all of those things so that anything you're doing is out is then less of a shock i mean it still will be because you just can't replicate that environment of that patient in the in the room on their own the examiner being with them and just the the way it's set up but you can get as close to that as you can in a hospital ward yeah so trying to sort of replicate the conditions to give you that um, exam nervousness i guess going on to top tip number four so these are the ones which i've labeled as sort of related to the preparation for the exam so things related to preparation but not to do with revision and yeah. number four i've Skeptic, said it, yourself ready yeah in mind body and spirit <laughs> <laughs> and so number four i've said sort the essentials out by essentials i've labeled that as your photo id your exam documents your clothing that you're going to be wearing for the exam and all the essentials for the exam you don't want clutter in your head before you're going into sit the exam you want to be clean-minded you want to know you've got everything ready before you then go into the exam fairly self-explanatory did you have sort of prepare everything the day before did you have your bag packed oh, ready yeah. to go absolutely absolutely i think you sort of have to you just can't you can't be in any sort of rush on exam day exam day is about the exam and just being as clear-headed as possible it's just it's sorting out all the logistics of it and did you have lucky lucky shirt, lucky pants? Uh not really. I had sort of my my favourite shirt. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure lots. Of, I'm sure lots of people will make sure it's something that you can easily put your your gown and <laughs> gown and stuff over. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's something with big old shoulder pads or something. Like <laughs> don't bring your rough to paces. Yeah, yeah. And then number five essentially look after yourself adequate rest make sure you're well fed well hydrated and i've put question mark question mark caffeine because i'm certainly one i'm sure many of the listeners are that get exam nerves and i am also as i'm sure many listeners are addicted to coffee but i made a conscious (laughs) conscious decision not to have any tea or coffee on the morning of the exam yeah i don't think i did either but it's interesting because it, it things take longer during covid you'll definitely be offered like quite a lot of cups of tea or coffee beforehand it's hard to say no just out of pure british politeness (laughs) (laughs) i think i still said no but um but yeah no i yeah if i have caffeine i get sort of more than a bit of a tremor (laughs) and as well i think this is another way of just making sure your mind is less cluttered you know you don't want to be overtired i mean that's another thing just sleep isn't it before before the exam um it's going to be tricky i mean some people will be better at it than others i think it's just not make it too high stakes ultimately thinking about it and the fact that it's an exam you can do it again ultimately people are looking to see whether you're going to be safe as a registrar yeah they need to have an encyclopedia inside your head you need to 
to know some things, but yeah, it's just getting that, trying to get that sleep, um, not putting too much pressure on yourself. But it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? And then number six is on a similar sort of theme as number four in terms of sort the essentials. But I always thought you want to plan ahead to know exactly where you're going to be going, because some of these hospitals are like mazes and it might be in an education center of a specific hospital. And you might attend, find the right hospital, but then realize, you know, it's another <laughs> mile 100%. walk. To... Some, of the, some of the hospitals, some trusts will have multiple hospital sites, won't they? And the, the exam will be on the site of their like rehab hospital rather than the site of their acute hospital. Yeah. So it's actually drilling down to be like, where where is it? And if you're driving, where are you going to park? That's a big thing with me. I always, if I'm driving anywhere, I'm just like, right, here is the here is the car park that I'm going to go to. I know exactly where it is. I navigate to the car park rather than to the hospital. I know sort of like exactly the distance from where I'm going to park to where I need to go. So just yeah, planning that and being being organised. It doesn't take that long, but you're right. It averts disaster, doesn't it? Because imagine turning up to completely the wrong hospital site on the day of your exam. And not all that much to spare. It doesn't bear thinking about. No, you do not want that. It's like you, you do you, not want that at all. You basically don't want any preventable things to stop you from performing at your best, and all the things from yeah. rules uh, or the top tips four, five, and six are all just made to avoid any sort of extraneous stress all i'd say is it's important to know exactly where you're going to be going so that you can then um, shed any extraneous stress basically yeah it's stressful enough experience without (laughs) running late or going to the wrong place or um and it's just it's also like if you're whether you're staying over somewhere the night before or which is definitely if somewhere's over like an hour away just stay there the night before because if there's an accident on the road if there's like roadworks or whatever that you didn't know about yeah it's all this is all sort of collateral to the time that you just don't need staying there the night before is good and if you're going there on the morning off just giving loads and loads of time and making sure you have that buffer and actually for one of the times that i sat i actually walked to the building the day before the exam so i knew from the place where i was staying that i was walking to the right place and that was the, the previous day. So if you have the opportunity to do that, then um, then great. But obviously things are a little bit different now in COVID because obviously travel is um, restricted. So hopefully yeah, they're going to be well, good. I, I, I think from what my, from my experience, I think people are getting sent still pretty far far afield. And it sort of depends what college you apply to. But like you go through Glasgow or Edinburgh and you live in England, you have a little trip to Inverness or something like that. <laughs> okay cool yeah certainly possible so then going on to top tip number seven and all the rest of these are related to the actual exam itself so this is your execution of your game plan really pleasant experience of paces it's like nothing else that you'll ever do or will ever do again in the future i don't know what you found sam but just just the experience taking paces was like nothing ever done before yeah absolutely couldn't agree with you more so top tip number seven i've gone for first impressions count so i mean it does what it says on the tin a little bit but in those first few 
well, I guess those first few seconds of the station, the examiners will judge very early as to how professional you're being, how well you're treating the patient. Are you treating them with dignity? Yeah. Are you polite? Uh, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you've got, you've got to remember that one of the one of the domains that you have to pass is just patient welfare, just just respecting patient welfare. And it's, it's such an easy, easy thing to get full marks on if you just like actually... <laughs> You go into a room where there's there's three people on a screen, but actually you focus in on the the patient who's there. This is your encounter with them. You, you're speaking to them as if they're in the room, and and you're you're treating them as treating them courteously, courteously with respect, and, and listening to them. So it's the same as meeting your in-laws, but just more stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a pretty good analogy, to be fair. <laughs> Top tip number eight sort of relates back to top tip number three which was nothing can replace practice 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 and number eight i've said get your automaticity of movements so basically what i've meant what, is what, you does, that, want... what does that mean was <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> it mean move like a robot maybe <laughs> this is possible what i mean is if your movements are entirely automatic so like you said earlier with the neurological examination getting all of that done in the time is very difficult but if you yeah. if you've muscle practiced, memory yeah. yeah exactly so if you get the muscle memory there and you've practiced enough you're able to get through the examination in the time whilst also picking up on the signs which is the most important thing and where you're going to get yeah. the marks well, absolutely the, the the process of the examination it can't be what you're thinking about you have to be thinking about what am i finding whilst i'm doing this but it's really hard because in in um, it's all one saying, oh yeah, I've devoted this neurological examination to muscle memory, but you've done it on someone who's got completely normal neuro- neurological examination. You go in there and someone's got sort of a paraparesis; they've got power sort of pretty much nought out of five both sides. You haven't done that enough in that specific examination where you're testing the power very differently to then commit it to, to muscle memory. So again, that's just where seeing as many patients as possible comes comes yeah. into play. That even one examination can have that many variations, which you sort of need to commit to to be second nature. Yeah. And I definitely think there are or there will be some circumstances where it is nearly impossible to do. If you've got a patient who doesn't have any reflexes that you can get and then you need to do the accentuated maneuvers then let's say for example they also have a uh, sensory neuropathy so you're then having to do all modalities of sensation multiple times and the examiner will know that they'll know that they i mean ultimately it's it's two consultants where the the thing they're examining isn't their specialty they go and they do their collaboration their um, calibration beforehand and they work out what signs they can elicit but they they will know that if it's someone who, who sort of has very weak or absent reflexes that that will add a bit of time on you might not get to sort of do any proprioception stuff at the end and definitely important that if you are in that situation and you don't fit in everything always mention to complete my examination i would fully examine vibration sense for example if you if you do miss something even if you, you just miss something and it's something that you'd normally do in a second nature in your examination don't don't dwell on it i miss stuff and i miss quite important stuff and i did get marked down from them but ultimately it wasn't didn't mean i failed in the end and another part of this when we're talking about detecting signs brings us on to top tip number nine which is like your driving test make your moves obvious and deliberate so yeah i'm sure everyone is used to practicing the exam as much as they can but 
just being seen to mirror signal maneuver or for example point out an av fistula in a patient who has a renal transplant even just making that as obvious as possible that you've noted that is so valuable and i also found that it made it stick in my head more when i came to presenting the patient that i always found because i made your presentation yeah because you you take taking the time to point to or sort of trace around something you're also then sort of mentally committing that to memory as well aren't you yeah so yeah, very true and it's even more important for example something like thyroid eye disease that even if you can see they haven't got proptosis or exophthalmus that you make a big show of looking at the eyes from the side from the front from above angles yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so like your driving test make your moves obvious and deliberate so the examiners are clearly seeing you're examining for the appropriate signs yeah yeah then they sort of know what you're looking for if you know what you're looking for um you'll know how to make it obvious that you're looking for that that's they know what you're looking for and look for it obviously and deliberately just remember that if you do find a sign remember to present it at the end because the worst thing would be identifying a sign during your examination and then forgetting to mention oh yeah yeah 100 percent. and i did that in my exam i I identified stuff (laughs) i mean i had a quite a a nice examiner who was like you demonstrated this quite well but you haven't said it um but then that's like but then that's the benefit of you know making it nice and obvious of the the previous point yeah 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 exactly (laughs) and then moving on to top tip number 10 which is sort of a point in its own category really which is that if the result isn't the one you want allow yourself to have a period of disappointment but the most important bit is reflecting on it and getting straight back on the bike alex this won't apply as clearly to yeah, you because I, you're that you've you've hit the the golden trophy of hitting it first I, time i'm very fortunate and relieved to have done that way could have easily sort of gone the other way and i think for everyone no one will come out of the exam and say i think that's gone as well as it could because it won't because that's the nature of the exam and that's the nature of these sorts of tests isn't it whichever way it goes it's thinking about it in that way and yeah allowing yourself to have a bit of time just to process it and the important thing go on I was just going to say, I, I know like some amazing doctors and some of the best best sort of regis where I work have had to do paces like five or six times. Uh, it's no reflection on what you're like as a doctor, how many times you have to do paces at all. Absolutely agree with that. I've worked with some phenomenal registrars, phenomenal consultants who've said that they've yeah, had to sit the membership multiple times. And like you say, it doesn't take anything away from you. And the other thing which I would say as well, which is like an extra bit on the end, which is some good advice from a registrar that I worked with who said there are multiple factors within this exam which aren't within your control but will affect whether or not you pass or fail. And once you make peace with that and you have a, a degree of acceptance saying this wasn't within my control, there was nothing I could have done about it, it allows you to accept the fact you haven't passed and the quicker you do that, the quicker you can get back on the bike, get back on the revision train, hopefully managing to pass in the future. Very true, because what all the rest of the tips we've said about in this podcast and all the sort of whatever volume of, of revision you do, however disciplined your revision is, it's only allowing you to control what you can control. Um, so it's just getting that part of it under as sort of well prepared as you can, but there'll always be 
other other things that come up and, and things that you can't control. Yeah, absolutely. One other thing to think about is that even though you may not have passed, it could just be an indication that maybe at that stage you aren't ready. And that can be a tough thing to stomach as well, actually realising, well, if, for example, you fell down in absolutely every station in multiple domains, it may be that you need to rework the way you're revising, maybe you need to ask some consultants for some more advice or for maybe for some one-to-one teaching, trying to figure out exactly where are your biggest areas for improvement. So as well as accepting that things might be out of your control, it's also about taking some responsibility for your own learning and, and saying, where are my biggest areas for improvement that are going to give me the best chance to pass? Very true. Very true. I mean, yeah, you don't want to sort of take it by just saying, oh, yeah, it's because of things I can control. I'm not going to do anything more. You've got, obviously got to have a look at it and think of sort of what gaps in your knowledge there are and how you can do things differently in terms of your, your revision. Perfect. Well, I think that probably is a good point for us to end on. So we have to pay huge thanks to IMT2, Dr. Alex Batty, for joining us today to help us in our quest to understand what it's like to pass paces in the time of COVID and also help us look through the top 10 tips. So Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the Pre-Paces podcast. Cheers, Sam, and good luck, everyone. Obviously, here at the Pre-Paces podcast, we're trying to improve all the time. If you like the podcast, please like, comment, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to get in touch, you can do through the usual social media channels on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pre-Paces podcast. And on email, it's Pre-Paces podcast at gmail.com. So thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with putting these top 10 tips into practice. And we will see you next time on the Pre-Paces podcast.